Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We are glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Genesis chapter 3. The Bible tells us, reading from verse number 1, it said, Now the serpent was more cunning than the beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Have God indeed said that you should not eat of every fruit of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now look at verse number 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. For God knows that the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. From this verse of the scripture, one question comes to mind. How was the devil able to convince Eve to go against the will of the Almighty God? The Lord told them, don't eat of it. The enemy came and said, eat of it. And Eve was convinced. How did the devil do it? How did Satan convince Eve to eat of that forbidden fruits? One thing I want you to understand is that throughout the course of history, and even up to this very moment, the devil's strategy has remained the same. Very simple, but the same. Satan's strategy of defeating the people, especially the people of God in the house of God, that strategy has not changed. And what is that strategy? It is a very simple strategy. It is a strategy of lie and deception. The strategy of lie and deception. You will think that after all these years, after all this millennia of the operation of the enemy, that men would have been able to figure out the devil and say, this is the lie of the devil. They would have been able to figure out this trick. They would have been able to figure out this operation. But the interesting thing is that man within the church, man outside the church, intellectual, highly educated men, they still fall for the same trick of the enemy. The strategy is the same. And the question is, why has the enemy not bothered to change his strategy? Why is the enemy using the same strategy of lie and deception over and over? Why is the enemy not even bothered to change it? Number one reason is because that strategy works. The strategy of lies and deception works. That's why the enemy has not changed it. Number two, it is very effective. That's why he has not changed it. Number three, it's because he has perfected the strategy over the years. He has had 6,000 years of practice. So why would he have to change what is working? Why does he have to argument the thing that is effective? And then number four, the enemy has not changed the strategy because men have not changed. Exactly the same thing that Eve did in the garden is exactly the same thing that we're doing up till this very moment. And the question is that why does the lie of the enemy still work up till this very hour? The answer is because Satan knows that when you mix the truth with a little bit of lie, you make it very effective. A little truth with a little bit of lie on top of it. Just sprinkle a dash of lie on top of it. And it messes up everything. 
The devil knows that. Satan understands that the most effective lie is the one that has a little truth in it. And that's why Satan has been effective in his operation. That's why women are willing to kill their babies. That's why men and women are willing to walk away from their family. That is why Eve was willing to disobey the Almighty God when he received a direct instruction from the Almighty God. When truth is mixed with lies, it becomes extremely dangerous, even in the house of God. And that is why Christians, that is why members of the church are the easiest people to hold captive. Because all you have to do is quote the Bible, bring a little bit of a lie inside of it, and people will swallow it hook, line, and sinker. The devil knows that. And that's why the devil has been very, very effective. And the Bible tells us, in the book of John chapter 8, if you read from verse number 44, the Bible tells us that he said, we're talk, talking about the devil. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. Which means the enemy's specialty, the devil's specialty is to lie and to deceive. And if you go back to that Genesis chapter 3, and you start reading from verse number 1, the Bible tells us something. Look at the way the Almighty God described Satan. He said, now the serpent was more cunning than the beast of the field. Why did the enemy, why did the devil come to Eve in the first place? Why did the enemy come to an individual in the first place? Why does he whisper in our ears in the first place? Why does he tell us the things that we want to hear in the first place? The very, very first purpose for which the enemy came to Eve in the first place was for Eve to believe a lie. That's the first thing, to believe a lie. That's why the enemy comes. And when the enemy comes to you, the reason he comes to you is for you, number one, to believe a lie. Number two, is for you to be misled. From the path that God has set for you. That's why he comes to you. And then final number three is for you to distrust God. And he asks the question. He says, you shall not surely die. In other words, God is lying to you. You shall not surely die. Because if you eat this thing, you will be like God. And God doesn't want competition. That's why he said, don't eat it. In other words, distrust the almighty God. So when the enemy comes to you, the first thing is for you to believe a lie. Number two is for you to be misled. Number three is for you to distrust the almighty God. Everything that the Lord has spoken concerning you, concerning your family, spoken concerning the plan and the purpose that he has in store for you. When the enemy comes to you, his intention is for you to distrust that word of God for your life. And the next thing I want you to think about is that how did the enemy go about the deception? How did the enemy achieve his goal? Because it's not just you walk to somebody and say, disobey God. Most people don't do that. If the enemy walks up to a young man and says, okay, commit adultery. You don't do that. Or sell your body for money. He doesn't do that. There's a particular strategy. And if you read that particular Genesis chapter 3, you will begin to notice how the enemy works. Number one, the enemy works very, very gentle. The Bible says that the serpent was more subtle. In other words, it doesn't rush. When you see the cartoon and they draw the enemy with a horn, that is a lie. The Bible tells us, if you read the book of Isaiah, when he was describing the Satan, he said he was the most beautiful creature ever created. His body was full of music. He was a cherub. He was a singing angel. In other words, when you see the devil, it's a beautiful thing to look at. So don't believe anybody who draws a picture and puts a horn on the heaven. The devil does not look like that. The devil sounds like Lionel Richie when he's singing. He's going, hello. Everything about him was music. This guy was good. So when he comes to you, he comes very, very gently. That's how the devil works. Number two, how does his deception work? His deception works, Satan works and casts doubt on the truth. That's how it works. Look at that particular Genesis chapter 3. Bible says, and he said to the woman, has God said? You heard the word of the Almighty God, but it's not questioning you whether you heard what you think you heard. Has God said? 
That's the strategy of the enemy. The first one is number one, he comes, he walks gently. Number two, he casts doubt on the truth. Number three, he prays on your ignorance. You shall not surely die. That's what it tells Eve. When the Lord God Almighty already told him you are going to die. But because Eve doesn't know that, he said you shall not surely die. He prays on your ignorance. If somebody says what you don't know will not hurt you, is a lie. What you don't know will hurt you. What you don't know will kill you if you don't take time. What you don't know will cripple you, will mess you up. And the enemy is willing to do that. So number one, he walks gently. Number two, he casts doubt on the truth. Number three, he prays on your ignorance. Number four, he creates false assurance. He said, you shall not surely die. God is a liar. When God says, when you eat this thing, you will not die. They try it, I can assure you, you are not going to die. And he did what? He took it and tried it. He died physically, but he died spiritually. Because the devil did not explain that death has different meaning. He didn't tell you that. Death is not just physical death. Death is what's called separation. And as soon as they ate the fruit, they realized that they were naked and they hid themselves. A separation took place. Where they were meeting the Almighty God on a regular basis, God came and they were no longer found. There was a separation that took place. But the devil creates a false assurance. He tells you you are going to enjoy the money when you steal it. He tells you when you have fun with another man's wife, you will enjoy it. He gives you a false assurance. And then finally, he questions the integrity of the Almighty God. God does not have your best interest at heart. God does not like you. I like you. That's what I'm telling you. If you read verse number 5, the Bible says, For God does know that in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open and you shall be like God, knowing good and evil. That's what the devil promised. And that was true. But he never told them the side effect of what they know. Because God does not want the coexistence of evil and good in the same body. It's always a problem. God knew that. And that's why he said you are going to die. Because the evil will overpower you. But the enemy told them he was questioning the integrity of God in the mind of Eve. He said God doesn't want you to be like him. That's why he's keeping it from you. And you look at the younger ones, you tell them, go to school. Don't do this. Don't run after this. They say, no, 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 no. They don't want me to have fun. My mother hates me. My father hates me. Everybody does not like me. I have to test this thing. And by the time you test it, you end up in Second Avenue or the DHS line. The point we are making is that the enemy walks gently. The enemy walks by creating doubt. The enemy prays on ignorance. The enemy creates false assurance. And the enemy casts doubt on the integrity of the Almighty God. And that's why it's very difficult for people to believe the Bible. That's why it's very difficult for people to hold on to the word of God. Because the enemy creates doubt on the word of God. And this is how the enemy got Eve to disobey the Almighty God. And this is how he is still getting people to disobey the Almighty God even up till this very moment. It comes to you gently. It casts doubt on what you know. You know that a man is not supposed to do certain things, but you do it because he casts doubt on what you know. He prays on your ignorance. He questions the integrity of the Almighty God and gives you an assurance that all is going to be well, you are going to be fine. Steal from them is the fruit of stealing is always very good. It gives you a false assurance. And that is how the enemy has been working. Why have I got any time to be able to give you all this monologue, all this description and all these statistics that are kind of depressing when we are supposed to be celebrating mothers and women in our lives? Why am I doing all this? Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, if you open your Bible, you read from verse number 12, the Bible tells us, it says, for wisdom is a defense. As money is a defense. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. In other words, 
I'm telling you this because number one, if you don't know the operations of the enemy, your life will become defenseless if you don't know how the devil works. Your life becomes defenseless because the enemy can come at you at every different direction if you don't know. Number two, I'm telling you this because as long as you remain ignorant, your life can be easily wasted. If you don't know some basic information, that's why the people of old will always say a fool is soon parted with his money. Because you don't know. And when you don't know certain things about your life, you will find out that your life will be wasted. Why am I telling you number three? I'm telling you because if you know the things that pertain unto God, it gives you life. It gives you life. It gives you strength. It gives you shelter. It protects you. And finally, by implication, if you don't know, ignorance will kill you. If you don't know what Tylenol is used for, you will abuse it. If you don't know what a particular medication is used for, you will abuse it. And that's why men who don't know the use of women abuse women. Men who don't know the use of children abuse children. If you don't know the use of a relationship, you abuse that relationship. If you don't know something, you are going to abuse it. Ignorance will kill you. So you see, my brothers and sisters, you have a responsibility to do what? To educate yourself. You have a responsibility to educate yourself. What you choose to believe as truth has both consequences in this life and in the hereafter. What you choose to believe about God what you choose to believe about your life, what you choose to believe about the word of God, what you choose to believe about the things that God has spoken concerning you, they have consequences now and they have consequences eternally. And the Bible tells us in the book of Jeremiah chapter 5. Jeremiah chapter 5, you open your Bible and start reading from verse number 30. Jeremiah 5, reading from verse number 30, the Bible says, An astonishing and a horrible thing has been committed in the lands. Jeremiah is trying to describe what was going on in Jerusalem at that time. It's an astonishing and a terrible thing that's been going on in the land. If you open your Bible, I want you to read verse number 31, which is very, very important. He said, the prophets prophesied falsely. The priests ruled by their own power. And now look at the next line. He said, and my people love to have it so. In other words, the Bible is telling us that people, the church of God, the society that we find ourselves, there is a terrible thing that is going on in the society. There is a lie that is being told to the people. The people in power are telling you the lie. The systems in power are telling you the lie. Those fundamental things that we hold there, they are telling us a lie. And the Bible says that the unfortunate thing is that we love to hear those lies. We love to hear it. An astonishing and a terrible thing has been committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. And the priests rule by their own power. And my people love to have it so. Please understand one thing. There are so many things that you hear in our society that are clearly a lie that are against the word of God. And the Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 10. If you read from verse number 17, the Bible says, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Right? But by implication also, deception and lie also comes by hearing. Hearing the lies and the deception of the devil. So it's not just faith that comes by hearing. Lies also comes by hearing. Deception also comes by hearing. The way you see the world is determined through the lens with which you look at the world. And if that lens is messed up, you will find out that your life will be messed up because we will believe a lie. 
Everybody knows who Socrates is, a very popular philosopher. He says something very interesting. He says, whenever people are deceived and form an opinion that is different from the truth, it is clear that error has been slid into their mind through a medium that resembles the truth. In other words, people are deceived when they believe a lie. People are deceived when truth is mixed with error. And my brothers and sisters, there is a deliberate deception going on in our culture. A deliberate deception to destroy the foundation of families. A deliberate deception is going on that is targeted at the family unit. A deliberate deception is going on in our society that is targeted against the next generation. The intention is to destroy those things. And the interesting thing about this deception is that the church is too stupid or incompetent to recognize it. Because we promote the same foolishness that is going on outside in the world. So it's either the church is so stupid or incompetent, or the church is an accomplice to those foolishness. And that is why you tell people you don't need to discipline your children. That is why churches will begin to support the disintegration of families. That is why they begin to tell you all the abomination that is inscribed in scripture is not being promoted within the church. Because there is a targeted destruction of the foundation of our faiths. And if you have been following the news, you will hear the story that is called the war on women. This is where we are actually going this morning. The war on women. You have heard about it. We have been told that the real woman has to abandon her family for the corporate world so that they can become successful. The real woman don't need a man in their life. After all, I don't need a man to take care of my thing. The real woman doesn't need children because they are a drag, they are a problem, they are a baggage that they don't need in their life. The real woman, they must be better than man, they must be stronger than man, they must be more competitive than man. The real woman is a loser if he decides to go and settle down and raise the family and have children and become a mother in the house. They consider that particular woman a loser. And my question has always been, how is it working out for the society? How is it working out? Gone are the days when a man will look at a beautiful woman and say, man, this woman is beautiful. I remember when we were growing up, we used to whistle. Hoo-wee! If you do that today, they will call you what? What do they call you that? They call you maybe a sexual predator or whatever. They will call you all sorts of things. And that is why in the place of what the man cannot talk to the woman again. And then the woman is looking for love. He can't find love because the man will not talk. They can't allow them to express themselves anymore. You are wondering why there's depression. You are wondering why people are falling up and down. Why life is not moving forward? Because of what they have created. The image that they have created for the woman to live up to. That you are weak when you pursue love. That you are weak when you allow yourself to fall in love with a man. When women become disappointed in what a particular man has done to them and they begin to follow alternative relationships, they now begin to create a philosophy out of their miseries. And the point we are making is this. As long as you believe a lie, about the makeup and the characteristic of a woman, you will continue to suffer the deception of the enemy. And every day there is a conscious and a deliberate attempt to redefine women and redefine their role in society. That is why they keep telling us that they have to be what they are not. One thing I want you to understand is this. The fact that God says that man is the head of the family does not mean that God is saying a man is superior to a woman. He didn't say that. I've given you this example and I'll give it again. Everybody here who is about 18 years old in this room right now knows how to drive. Many of us have our driver's license. If I were to put all of you in a car and I'm driving, does that mean I'm the best driver? No. Does that mean my driving skill is superior? No. 
It simply means I'm the one who's been given the responsibility to drive. That's all. It doesn't mean that you are an inferior driver. Point I'm making is that the fact that somebody has been assigned to be the head does not mean that that person is superior. It simply means that is the role that I've been given. There is a difference between the role and the what of that individual. Two different things. And our society has succeeded in confusing the two. And they have now made people to start fighting each other when there is no fight in the first place. They have made the man to fight the woman and the woman to fight the man. And as a result, we have created a lot of chaos in our society. And the sad thing about this whole chaos is that the church has bought into that foolishness. The church is supporting the same craziness. Women are being used deliberately now to destroy their own families. Women are being used to break down the family unit. Because it's the women now that I say, I'm not going to take that. I want to assert my authority. I'm not saying you become a doormat. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that you should understand that the fact that the man is the head does not mean that you are inferior. The fact that God has given somebody the role to be the leader does not mean that you do not have a say. If you go through the Bible, you will find that women have more power in the scriptures. The question is that how is this deliberate destruction of the family unit, how is it carried out? Number one, they carry out this destruction of family and the destruction of the life of women, number one, by challenging scriptural narratives. They are telling us that the Bible hates women. And the interesting thing is that if you read the scriptures, everywhere the Bible is preached, you will notice that the status of women has always been elevated. Everywhere the Bible is preached. Prior to the coming of the Christian faith into Africa, you will notice that a lot of atrocities were being done to women and to their children. But as soon as Christianity came in, you will find that women, the status of women were elevated. So the first way they fight, they try to destroy the family unit and destroy the image of women is to challenge the scriptural narratives. Number two, they assert the superiority of women, that women are better than men. God never said anybody was better. They were the children of God. If you read the book of Genesis, he said God made them in his own image. He said male and female created he them. They were all made in the image of the almighty God. None is better than the other. None is above or none is below. But one has to take the responsibility of leadership. And that is what God has given to the man. It doesn't mean that the man is better. It simply means the man is given the responsibility to be the leader. And that is why if you have too many leaders in the house, the house will fall. And that's why the family unit is falling right now in our society. So how are they destroying it? Number one, by challenging scriptural narrative. Number two, by asserting the superiority of women. Number three, by insisting on role reversal. And that's why right now you have nothing fathers. When we go to work and fathers will sit at home carrying babies. There's nothing wrong with fathers carrying babies. You don't misunderstand me. But I'm saying that you are now going through what is called role reversal. When the woman is now the one that becomes Oliver Orok. For those of us who come from Nigeria, you know who Oliver Orok is. He was a bodybuilder. You know, who competed in the Olympic. The women want to be like that. And the men have now become, God forgive us, so that they don't kick us out of Facebook. That's how they have been carrying about this strategy of destruction. The strategy of destruction is also pursuing what is called gender equality. When they say everybody's the same. Even you look at the man, you look at this a difference. I mean, the word man and the word woman are not the same. They don't spell alike. One is shorter, one is longer. But that's a different story. I mean, common sense tells you these things are different. But they want us to forget common sense and to believe them. And the unfortunate thing is that a lot of women, a lot of mothers are buying into this idea. And the result of this distorted view of women is, number one, their children are confused. 
The children are confused. They don't know how to behave anymore. Number two, the family is breaking up because you find that when two people want to assert their rights, somebody must give. Something must give. And it's the marriage that gives. It is the children that gives. When everybody wants to be the boss, the man wants to speak, the woman wants to be, everybody wants to wear the same pants. And at the end of the day, the children are the ones that suffer. The family breaks up. Not only that, the result of the wrong view of women is the increasing mental cases. Right now you have kids as young as seven, as young as five, having anxiety, having depression. What does a five-year-old know about depression? What do they know about life that they are depressed? It's as a result of this foolishness that is going on in our society. Not only that, you now have idiotic, idiotic, idiotic public policy. When they tell you a man can decide to be a woman and then walk into a woman's bathroom. You now have public policies where they tell you that a woman will carry pregnancy up to nine months. And after he carries that pregnancy up to nine months, if he gives birth to the baby and says, I don't like this baby because it's ugly, we can kill the baby. That is the discussion they are having right now. That's to tell you how stupid people have become. We have educated ourselves into imbeciles. And it's because we do not understand the role that God has given to the women and the role that God has given to men. And if you allow this to go to its logical conclusion, what you are going to find is that there's going to be social instability. And that is what you see all around us. As much as money is being poured into all the social services that we have, a lot of chaos is still going on. Just because people refuse to see man the way God has created them. To see women the way God has created them. Social instability is falling. And all this is happening because we refuse to believe God and we decide to believe the lie of the devil. And it is therefore important for us as individuals, important for us as a family, important for us as a church to be able to know and understand the true image that God has given to our women, that has given to our sisters, given to our mothers, so that we can move it forward. Why is it important for you to understand this role? Number one, because the stability of the family depends on it. It has been tested scientifically that when you have the father and the mother in the house, in a loving relationship, you have a more stable family. It's been tested. It's not me that is saying it. That is why if you have the image of woman as God has given, and the image of man as God has given, if you have the two of them living in harmony, just like God has prescribed, you will find the stability of family because that's the way God designed it. Number two, why must we re-emphasize the role of women and mother? Is to preserve the next generation. Because when the child grows up in a healthy environment, there is a strong probability that that child will carry that healthy environment into their own relationship also. But if a child grows up in an environment where the father becomes my Tyson and is punching the daylight out of the mother, or the mother becomes whatever you want to become, at the end of the day, what you will find is that the children will grow up dysfunctional. So that is one of the reasons why you must elevate the role of the mother. Because the mother is the one that keeps the sense in the house. Number three, why must we preserve, why must we elevate the role of the mother? We elevate the role of the mother because they provide the moral reference points. You will notice that in some communities today, in this society, some people, if they misbehave outside and they see their mother coming, they straighten up. No matter how old they are. Some of them, but even when they are married, their mother can still slap them around and friends sit down there and they still sit down. Because the mother provides that stability. And that is why you must elevate. That's why we must elevate it. Number four is to preserve our faith. 
Many of us, the little that we know about church today is because of what our mother spoke into our life. The prayers of the mother, the kneeling down of the mother. It is why we are here today. Most of the things that we know about God today is because of the mothers. And if you don't elevate the role of the mother, you will find out the preservation of our faith will be in danger. And the interesting thing is that if we are able to clearly define the role of mothers, if we are able to clearly define the role of women, the result is that you are able to nurture and give confidence to the next generation. Because you see the child, you can see a child that comes from a stable family. You can see the child and you can see the one that is from an unstable family. Their lives are different. Not because by choice, but because of the environment. Number two, when the role of the mother is well defined, faith in the family is restored. Because I tell you, every child wants to be like their parents. If your father is married to your mother and you find out that there's this loving relationship between the two of them, you yourself want to replicate the same thing. But you find out that the child or the son or the daughter of an abusive father and abusive mother, they replicate exactly the same negative thing that they see in their family. That's why the son of an abusive man will become abusive to women. And when the role of mother is clearly defined, social skill is well communicated. Family values are strengthened. And you see that the mother will be celebrated. But you cannot celebrate mothers. You cannot celebrate women. You cannot place them in the role, in the place where they are supposed to be when you don't know the view of God concerning women. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.